Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, February 15th, 2018. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio, Beantown Athletics Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. And even though the NFL season is over, you can still use my promo code for NBA, NHL, and even PGA contests. That's right, the PGA Tour, even golf. So again, go to DraftKings.com or download the DraftKings app right now and use my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C to play for free with your first deposit. Welcome to the show on this Thursday, February 15th. And uh, I get it. It is not an ideal time to talk about sports. Given the tragedy yesterday in a Florida high school, I understand 17 people dead. The man who did it has been arrested. The families who were affected obviously will never be the same. And look, this is not a political show. Never has been, never will be. I do not get into politics. I do not spend time on all the bullshit. And there's a lot of it. We do live in a crazy world. I certainly do not have the answers to the problems that we face, nor do I try to pretend that I have those answers to the problems that we face. But the idea that there are politicians out there today who sent their kids to school while refusing to do something about gun control in this country is absolutely mind-boggling to me. It's mind-boggling. I don't have kids, but I do have cousins, nieces, and nephews. My sister works in a school. My girlfriend works in a school. My mother works in a school. I cannot imagine being somebody today who sends their kids to school and then goes into the office afterwards and attempts to protect the current gun laws in this country. I just don't know how that's humanly possible for somebody to do. The problem is they're doing it. That's the problem. This isn't a political thought. This has nothing to do with the left or the right. This is a thought about human decency. It's a thought about life. And to think that there are people out there today who have the power to make changes, but instead they refuse to take steps to protect their own kids' lives is something that I simply just can't understand. I can't understand it. That said, I am always here as your escape. That's what I do. At least that's what I'd like to think my show is for people during the dark times, during some bad times in this world. So your escape, I shall provide. Even if it's only an hour, you want to listen to more than one show, go back, listen to all these shows. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever podcasts are available. Listen to more than one if you want. But this show, you know, I have to do what I usually do, which again is provide the escape for people. 45 minutes to an hour. It's not a very long escape, but it's an escape nonetheless. And that's what I do. It's not an easy transition, of course, but it's one I have to make given what I just told you I do on this show. So let's do it. As we enter the weekend, another weekend with no football, we take a look at the schedule of things that sports fans are looking forward to here the next couple months, uh, the rest of February into March, into April, What's the schedule? I got a schedule in front of me of literally everything. And if I miss something, hit me up on Twitter. I 
I hope I didn't miss anything because I spent a lot of time putting this schedule together between now and April and into the summertime. And I guess the first thing on this schedule that I have is the NBA All-Star Game. NBA All-Star Weekend is this weekend. The game itself, the All-Star Game in the NBA itself, is this Sunday in Los Angeles. Of course, you'll have the dunk contest on Saturday night, the skills competition. They have the celebrity game, the rookie. Is it a rookie game now? Rookie sophomores or is it? What is it? Is it USA versus the world? I don't know exactly what they do there anymore. I don't pay attention to that. I'll watch the skills and the dunk contest and the three-point contest Saturday night. Um, You know what? I'll probably tune into the game on Sunday as well. But this weekend, that's the first thing in the schedule. That's what's next. The NBA All-Star Game, NBA All-Star Weekend is this weekend in Los Angeles. Then the next thing on my schedule is the NFL. February 20th, so this Tuesday, February 20th, and this coming Tuesday, that is the first day that NFL teams can dish out the franchise tag. So if if teams are just waiting to officially slap the franchise tag on somebody, they'll do it on Tuesday, February 20th, this coming Tuesday. And then Monday, February 26th at 3 o'clock Eastern time, so a week from this coming Monday, Monday, February 26th, you'll get the NHL trade deadline. The NHL trade deadline is Monday, February 26th, a week from this coming Monday. Then you'll get the NFL combine, February 27th. All right, February 27th is the NFL combine. Then the NFL franchise tag deadline. Again, franchise tagging begins this coming Tuesday, but the franchise tag deadline, the deadline to place the franchise tag on somebody is March 6th at 4 o'clock. Then I'm getting away from football. You get this college basketball selection. Sunday is going to be March 11th, so the NCAA tournament will begin that week of March 11th. That is selection Sunday. Then you fast forward to later that week, March 14th. That's when the NFL league year begins and free agency begins at 4 o'clock on March 14th. Major League Baseball opening day is March 29th. Now, pitches and catches, they've reported. Uh, the Actually, the first full workout for the Red Sox, I can only speak for the Red Sox, their first full squad workout is this coming Monday. This coming Monday, I believe, is the 19th. But opening day in Major League Baseball is March 29th. It's a Thursday. And this is actually an important date because this is something new. This is the earliest opening day in the history of the sport because you got the CBA now. The CBA gives an additional three to four days rest or three to four days off for major league teams. And as a result, every team will now open on the, on the same day. Every team will open on the same day. It's the earliest opening day in the history of the sport, March 29th. It's a Thursday, but it's also it's the first time that every team will open on the same day since 1968. So every team will be opening on March 29th. You're not going to have like, you know, two or three teams opening up and then they'll have a day off the next day. The one thing I always hated when the Red Sox opened up was that they would open up and then they would have the next day off. I'm like, how stupid is that? You're going to get me fired up for Major League Baseball You know, you're going to tease meaningful games all spring, beginning in February, through the month of March. You're going to give me opening day, and then you're going to make me wait 
You're going to make me not, you know, not have a game the next day? That makes no sense. So, from a Red Sox perspective, they will open the season on Thursday, March 29th, a 4 o'clock game in Tampa Bay. It's a four-game series in Tampa Bay. They will not have Friday off. So, they'll be playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a four-game series. Then they'll have two games in Miami. And then they'll have the home opener on Thursday, April 5th at Fenway against the Tampa Bay Rays. So they'll be seeing Tampa Bay a lot to open up the season as they begin uh, with a four-game series in Tampa Bay. Again, March 29th is opening day in Major League Baseball, and every team will open on the same day for the first time since 1968. And again, the earliest opening day in the history of the sport. Then on April 5th, you got the Masters, right? The Masters at Augusta on April 5th. April 8th, you know what April 8th is? WrestleMania 34. It's in New Orleans. I'll give you some WrestleMania coverage leading up to the big event. I'll try to get Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated. He's Sports Illustrated's pro wrestling insider. I'll I'll try to get him back in studio as I do usually before all the major events. I had him in here before Survivor Series. I had him in here again before the Royal Rumble. We kind of teased the WrestleMania preview But now that the Royal Rumble has come and gone, and we have, you know, a better picture of what WrestleMania could look like, though, it still is somewhat cloudy, isn't it? For the people that that follow the WWE like I do, it's kind of a cloudy picture, the WrestleMania 34 card. Uh, I posted something on YouTube with my take on what I thought the WrestleMania 34 match card would be, so go check that out, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. But WrestleMania 34 is April 8th. It's in New Orleans. I don't know why they're having it in New Orleans again. They just had WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans. So I don't know the the reason behind that. But, you know, I think they, you know, if you're going to have WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans, why would you have it again there at WrestleMania 34? I have no idea. But that's where it is. April 8th, WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans. Then April 26th is the NFL draft. Uh, it'll be in Texas. It'll be where the Cowboys play, AT&T Stadium, right? You know, they're moving the draft around now. And there is some NFL draft news, actually. It's also going to be broadcast on Fox. So Fox is going to broadcast the NFL Network's feed. From what I read, the the deal was done this week that Fox is now going to broadcast the draft. But they're going to broadcast the NFL Network's feed, and it's still also going to be on ESPN. So... That's an interesting dynamic. I don't know that it's so unique we should be shocked about it, but uh, the fact that it's going to be on Fox, NFL Network, and ESPN, when I first heard the news that it was going to be on Fox, I just figured, well, it's going to be, you know, NFL on Fox, all their guys, and it's not going to be on ESPN. Well, no, it still is going to be on ESPN. Again, as far as I read, maybe that changes. I don't know. But the NFL draft is April 26th in Texas, and then... Of course, we'll get to the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs, which begin in April, mid to late April. And so that's it. That's the schedule. And those playoffs will run through the summer. And, you know, in the summer, we'll have Major League Baseball. And then before you know it, we'll have NFL training camps and we'll have the beginning of a new NFL season. So not to rush your life away, but but that's that's what we have with the schedule that sports fans have their eye out on the next couple months bringing it back here locally to the teams here in Boston. Uh, you know, I think if I, now that the Patriots are in the offseason, now that we're away from football 
and, and we don't have any football this weekend. If I had to rank the importance right now of teams in this town, in Boston, in New England, if I had to rank the importance, I would say Celtics are one. I would say they won because they've lost three straight. They're entering the All-Star break short, but they've lost three straight entering the All-Star break. They didn't make any trades at the deadline, and I think they, I think their three-game losing skid heading into the All-Star break has sparked some concern for this team in this town. I really do. You know, you see that, and you also see what Cleveland did at the deadline and how that sparked the Cavaliers. And, uh, you know, finally, 34... Paul Pierce is 34. It's up in the rafters. And now it's time to get back to the current Celtics team. And, uh, you know, we're past the Paul Pierce retirement ceremony. We're past the Isaiah Thomas, you know, tribute video. But I think number one in this town, the Celtics, they've lost three straight. Other teams around them are seemingly improving, like the Cavaliers. And uh, I just think that's... Right now, that's number one in this town, the Celtics. How are they going to look as they get closer to the playoffs? How are they going to look when they get to the NBA playoffs? Because expectations are high, man. They are high for this team in this town. And they get off to a hot start, and they had that winning streak, and you got some great play from the kids early on. Kyrie Irving's a beast, obviously. Horford's having a nice year. And they, they've been doing all this after the Gordon Hayward injury to begin the season. That injury, right away. So, uh, expectations are high for the Celtics team. But because they've lost three straight, there have been some struggles. We're past the Paul Pierce retirement ceremony. Isaiah Thomas is in the Western Conference. We don't have to worry about the tribute video anymore. Doesn't seem like the Cavaliers have any more issues. And the Celtics struggling. It's it's This is the top story, in my opinion. Uh, number two... The Bruins. You know, people are going to make the argument that Bruins are number one right now because the Celtics are at the All-Star break. And the NHL trade deadline, as I told you, is approaching. It is going to be on February 26th. So the NHL trade deadline is a week from this coming Monday. And the Bruins are playing some pretty good hockey. And some people, you can make the argument that's the top story. And you know what? It would be tough for me to argue with you on that. I'm just telling you what I think. Where I'd rank them right now. I think when a team has such high expectations and they begin to struggle, like the Celtics, their situation right now, I think that that becomes a more important topic to people in this town. Whereas the Bruins, sure, they're playing great. Sure, they have an important trade deadline approaching a week from Monday. But I think they're exceeding expectations to a point where, you know, they'll be the top story... A week from Monday. But right now, as I record this podcast, I still think Celtics are number one, Bruins are number two. But it's close to. Could be 1A. 1 and 1A. Celtics 1, Bruins 1A, if you wanted to. Number three, Red Sox, spring training. You know, players are talking. The media is meeting with players. There's a little bit of drama there. Mookie Betts and Xander Bogots are talking about last season and what went wrong. And the tension in the clubhouse. Yeah, they talked about tension in the clubhouse. You got a new manager. You know, you got the whole J.D. Martinez situation where the Red Sox have made an offer. He hasn't made a decision. And so that's kind of the elephant in the room. But uh, the Red Sox, because of spring training, they're number three. And the Patriots are really number four because they're just not playing anymore. That's that's basically it, right? We're waiting for the, for the new league year to begin. 
obviously there's this stuff that's going to come out again about Malcolm Butler. We're going to continue to talk about that. Um, it, does Tom vs. Time, does that, do they have a new video coming out anytime soon? I only watched the first Tom vs. Time. Only the first. I've seen certain highlights here or there. I know what everybody's talking about when people talk about it, but I want to watch them all. Like at once, I'm almost mad at myself that I, I'm almost mad at myself that I watched the first one. I kind of wish I just, I want to watch all of them at the same time. So, uh, until that is released, I don't know that anybody has anything to talk about with regards to Tom Brady right now. Uh, am I, am I missing something with Brady? No, I don't think so. Just the Malcolm Butler situation. You know, the Super Bowl is is we're now a couple weeks removed. You know, we're trying to all get over that. Patriot, bottom line is this, Patriots are fourth on the list. They are number four on this list. So Celtics one, Bruins two, Red Sox three, Patriots four. Now, when I break it down into a little bit more depth, I'll begin with number one. Celtics, in second place in the Eastern Conference at the All-Star break. They have 40 wins. If the playoffs began, as I'm recording this show right now on this Thursday, February 15th, the playoffs began today. The Celtics would be, again, the two seed in the East, and they would play the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. And the winner of that series would play the winner of number three Cleveland versus number six Indiana. I don't know how you'd put your money on the Pacers there. You'd have to say that the Celtics would be playing the... The Cleveland Cavaliers in the second round. I mean, you'd get some people looking at the 76ers thinking that maybe they could be the exciting team. You know, trust the process. Could they beat the Celtics? I'm just telling you who I would bet in that series. I would bet the Celtics to win a seven-game series against Philly. I would bet Cleveland as the three-seed to win a seven-game series over Indiana, which means that that would put the Celtics and the Cavaliers in the second round against each other with the set brackets in the NBA. So that's what we have with the Celtics. But again, all-star break. It's just, look, they've they've struggled a little bit here. And, and I'm, I want to see what someone like Tatum is going to look like here down the stretch and when you do get into the playoffs, right? I mean, it's a different game. Playoffs are a different game. And I think we'll learn a little bit of something about these kids. I, you know, you look, if Tatum struggles in the postseason, are you going to, are you going to say, yep, Kid sucks, never going to make it. No, no one's going to say that. No one's going to say that. But, you know, as, as you learn in this league, you know, I think we'll, we'll, we'll learn maybe what a kid like Tatum needs to learn and needs to improve upon when they get to the postseason, when they get to the NBA playoffs. So uh, the Celtics will be in the playoffs. They're going to be a top, one of the top seeds in the East. I mean, they might finish number one. Who knows? Toronto's number one right now. Celtics are number two. And if I had to put my money on how it would play out if the playoffs began today, I'd put my money on the Celtics playing Cleveland in the second round. Would I, would I take the Celtics over the Cavaliers, whether it's the second round or the Eastern Conference Finals? No, I wouldn't take the Celtics over the Cavaliers. And I'm not just telling you that now because the Celtics are struggling and the Cavaliers have made moves and they look like they enjoy playing basketball again in Cleveland. I felt like this for a long time. Even if Cleveland didn't make some of those trades at the deadline, I would still be sitting there telling you that LeBron James is a guy that would still lead the Cavaliers. Uh, he, 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 he would lead them over the Celtics in a seven-game series. He would. So I would still take the Cavaliers then. I was taking them two months ago. I'm still taking them now. But uh, 
hey, there's a reason why they play the games, right? So that's that's where we stand with the Celtics. And again, the Bruins, they're also in second place. Now, here's where it gets tricky for the Bruins. And I'll get to the trade deadline stuff in a minute. And a name that is out there that the Bruins could go after and I think need to go after if the rumor is true. Well, the Bruins are in a weird spot because if you if you know anything about the Stanley Cup playoffs and how their playoff format has changed the last couple of years, they don't do it like the NBA anymore. It's not one through eight in the conference, one plays eight, two plays seven, three plays six, four plays five. It's not like that anymore. It's divisions. And the two divisions in each conference, the top three teams in each division, well, they will advance, and then you get two wildcard teams in each conference. So it's still eight teams in each conference make it. It's just a different format in each. So let's take the Eastern Conference in the NHL, for example. Right now, in the Atlantic Division, the Bruins are in second place behind the Tampa Bay Lightning. Bruins have 78 points. They have 35 wins. They are only one point behind Tampa Bay. But the Bs are kind of they're kind of getting screwed under this new playoff format because if they if it worked by the old playoff format, the Bruins would still be in second place, but they'd be in second place in the conference behind Tampa Bay and they the Bruins would play the 7 seed. Right now, if it was again the old school standings 1 through 8 in the conference, the New Jersey Devils would be the seven seed. They have 64 points, 28 wins. All right? Again, the Bruins have 78. Devils have 64. The Bruins are a better team than New Jersey. Now, that's the old format. The new format, the current form, maybe I shouldn't say new. It's not that, it's not that fresh. It's new enough. The newer format, the current format, Bruins still says, the number two next to their name. Second place, but second place in their division, which means they don't they don't play one of those wild card teams. They play the third place team in their division, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs have 75 points. That's only three points less than the Bruins. So and, they, and Toronto is the same amount of wins as the Bruins right now. So the Bruins, if the playoffs began today, or as I record this, the Bruins would be playing Toronto. And Toronto is a better team than New Jersey. So under the current playoff format, the Bruins are kind of getting screwed. They wouldn't be playing a wildcard team unless they're the first place team in their division. Uh, they could still end up being the first place team in their division when it's all said and done, and they could be playing one of those wildcard teams. But if it was the old format, the Bruins would be two in the East, and... They'd be playing the Devils, the seventh seed in the East. Instead, they have to play the third-place team in their division, which is obviously a better rivalry, but it's a tougher matchup in the first round, if you ask me. Some people might tell you, maybe not, but I think so. I don't really know how you could argue that. But uh, the Bruins, being as good as they are right now, they have some decisions to make. Like I told you, a week from this coming Monday is the NHL trade deadline. And there are talks that the Bruins are in on Ryan McDonough. Ryan McDonough, New York Rangers, 28-year-old defenseman, left-handed shot, veteran. He's the Rangers' captain. He has one year left on his deal after this season. What's it, about five, a $5 million cap hit or close to that, maybe a little under five mil, I think, next year. So you'd have him for next year as well, which maybe means you have to give up a little bit more to get him because he's not just a rental. If he was a rental... 
you know, maybe you don't have to give up as much. But because he's got the extra year on his contract, if the Rangers are going to deal him, you might have to give up a little bit more. But McDonough, uh, you know, he's a veteran. He's the Rangers captain, 28 years old. You know, it's a cap hit that obviously you can afford. And it's his eighth year in the league. One thing I look at with him, though, is he's played nearly 100 Stanley Cup playoff games. Nearly 100 playoff games. So he's got that. He doesn't just have experience in the league and is hungry for a cup. He's got playoff experience. And to me, that's huge. That's so much different than just NHL experience. It is 100 playoff games. I think it's 96 to be exact. But the latest news on McDonough, as I record this, is that McDonough has submitted a list of 10 teams that he will not accept the trade to. I have not heard that the Bruins are one of those teams. So I would assume that if that were the case, we we would have heard about this because we've been hearing McDonough's name now for a little bit. And if if the Bruins were on, you know, a list of teams that McDonough will not accept the trade to, I think we would have heard, that would have been reported. That would be out there. We would know that because it would mean the, the Bruins have moved on. And then that's where a reporter would get it. They, they'd, get that the, they'd get the scoop that the Bruins have moved on. Well, it's like, why would they move on? And well, here's the reason. McDonough doesn't want to go play in Boston. So, uh, but because we haven't heard that, I don't think that's the case. And I don't think the Bruins have moved on. Here's my take on it. The Bruins shouldn't move on. The Bruins need to make this trade. Like, the Bruins have exceeded expectations. They have. Uh, you know, you know all the kids that they're playing with, that, that they've brought up, that they've thrown into the fire. I don't need to explain that to you. But the Bruins right now, again, the second best team in the Eastern Conference might end up being the number one team in the Eastern Conference when it's all said and done. Right? You need in a, in a year in which I'm not so sure anybody in the organization saw them this good right now. Did they expect to get to the playoffs again? Yeah, I think they did. Did they expect to go further than a first round exit to the Ottawa Senators? Yeah, I think they did. I, I think they, they expect that type of success. But this type of success, I don't know that anyone saw it coming. Obviously, you'll get some Bruins fans that will sit there and say, Oh, Danny, you've been paying attention to the Patriots. You've even been watching the Celtics more than the Bruins. Shut the fuck up. You shouldn't have any take on this. Yeah, okay. You know, those people are just donkeys, right? And we'll let them yell and scream on Twitter all they want. But if you know anything about me, my background as a hockey fan, just my background in general, if you know anything about me, you know that even when I tweet out something during the beginning of the season where I say, does anybody still watch the Bruins? You should know that that is said somewhat in jest. I said it meaning that I tweeted that out early in the season. People were coming at me and they're still using it against me now. But I, I tweeted it really more so in praise of the Celtics because the Celtics were on a win streak. They were must-see TV every single night. It was more so about praise for the Celtics, but you know how people are so sensitive on social media and they just, they, people can be idiots, basically. People just, they can be idiots. They can be stupid. They can be really, really stupid on social media. More often than not. And, and that, the reaction to that tweet is a perfect example of it. Because if you know anything about me and my background, you know I do not ignore the Boston Bruins. I never have and I never will. So, when I look at the Bruins right now, and I see that their backup goaltender is also playing out of his tree, 
And Anton Hadobin, and people also are tweeting me and, and messaging me saying, oh, you got to apologize about the Anton Hadobin stuff. And I say, well, no, I don't. I did that last year. And Anton Hadobin sucked last year. Okay? If Anton Hadobin was any good last year, one, he would not have been released. Two, if he was released, he would have been picked up on, you know, been claimed by someone. He wasn't, so that's why he, he sucked so bad. That's why he ended up back with the Bruins organization, because nobody wanted him when he was released. So, clears waivers, he comes on back and goes to the minor leagues. Um, so, if, that's one. Two, if Anton Adobin was any good last year, the Bruins probably would have had a more favorable matchup in the first round of the playoffs. It's just, they would have had a better season last year. You needed Anton Adobin this year to give you something. And credit where credit's due. Not only has Anton Adobin given the Bruins something, he's given them the type of, do you call leadership? I mean, look, when you can have a backup goaltender playing as good as Anton Adobin has played this year, and you also have Tuka Rask as your number one still, you should never look at that and go, yeah, the backup is now the new number one. Well, no. If you're saying that, you're a moron. Here's what you do. You say, it's great that Anton Adobin is playing this good because that means you can rely on your backup during the season, throughout the season, even late in the season when it comes time to give your number one some rest so that he is not absolutely pooped when you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? So that his tank isn't on E. It's a great it's a great situation to be in when you can run this type of two-goalie system to get your number one goalie healthy and rested for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And you can manage his gameplay. It's just, I mean, it's a beautiful thing when you think about it. So I'm not going to sit here and apologize for anything that I said about Anton Hadobin last year. If you're looking for an Anton Hadobin apology, then take a hike. See you later. Go somewhere else. Go listen to some buffoon talk about the National Hockey League and about the Boston Bruins and try to tell you that they should trade Tuka Rask or try to tell you that they should make Anton Adobin then number one in the playoffs. Give me a break. Tuka Rask is their number one. And he will be when they get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I'm not going to apologize for anything that I said about Adobin last year because last year, Anton Adobin was fucking terrible. And everything I said was true about him. That said, it's a great thing for the Bruins that Hedobin has done something to turn it around this year because it could be the ultimate difference maker for them when it comes to the playoffs. It really could. So uh, all that said with the Bruins and how good they are right now, why wouldn't you get Ryan McDonough? Why wouldn't you give up the extra asset? Why wouldn't you give up the extra young kid? Why wouldn't you give up the first-round pick? Why wouldn't you give up a major combination of those things to bring a veteran defenseman who's 28 years old, is also on a contract next year? Why wouldn't you make that move? And if you're going to do it for any reason, do it for the sake of Zidane Chara. The guy's 40 years old. He's seven foot ten, And he's still... He's playing at a level right now that, look, it, Zidane Chara. if you had told me five years ago that he would still be on the Boston Bruins and you could still win with him, I would have told you nuts. But here they are. And I actually think if, it's, if it wasn't for Tom Brady being such a freak at 40 years old and, you know, going to the Super Bowl every year, 
than going at least the AFC Championship every year. If it wasn't for Tom Brady being such a physical freak at 40 years old, we'd be making a lot more about Zidane Chara and the shape that he's in at 40 years old. At 40 years old, in this sport, given his size, given how tall the guy is, right? I, we don't make a big deal about that because we see someone like Tom Brady being a physical freak at 40. But the Zidane Chara thing, I mean, I, I wrote a column. In the Boston Metro, that's in print today, that's that's on the website, metro.us, and I posted it on social media, posted it on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and basically the, the story is about retired numbers on Boston teams, and I gave you the next number for each Boston team that would be retired. Number one was Roger Clemens with the Red Sox, 21. I think they get it done. Might not be this year. Maybe it's not next year, but I think it's the next one to go up. 21 for the Red Sox. I think they're going to do it. The next was 33. Zidane Ochara with the Bruins. They're going to retire this guy's number. Now, a year and a half, two years ago, at the trade deadline, I was telling you that the Bruins made a mistake by not trading Zidane Ochara at the deadline to get a first-round pick. But the Bruins were in a different spot. They were in a place where, if you had told me two years ago that this is the way the Bruins would look right now and Shara would still be here, I'd say, what? What happened? How did that happen? But uh, here they are. And so for Zidane Shara's sake, a guy who's going to have, I think, his number, I mean, I say I think, how could you not put 33 for the Bruins up in the TD Garden rafters? How could you not do that? How could you not put Zidane Ochara's number? He, he's the captain of a Bruins team that has won one Stanley Cup since 1972. How do you, how do you not, the toughest trophy to win in sports, Norris Trophy winner. He's going to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. How do you not put number 33 up to the rafters at TD Garden? I don't even think it's up for debate. It's going to go up there. For Zidane Ochara's sake, at 40 years old, Given how good the Bruins look right now, which, in my opinion, is is kind of unexpected, how good they look. For Zidane Ochara's sake, go out and trade for Ryan McDonough, for crying out loud. Go do it! You add to your defensive depth, how does it hurt? People say, well, it's going to hurt, hurt the youth of this team. The youth of the team? You're not trading Charlie McAvoy for him. Okay? If, they, if the Rangers say, hey, we want Charlie McAvoy, then... You tell them to go fuck themselves and you hang the phone up and you play with what you got. But they're not asking for that. What, draft picks? Prospects? Maybe a young kid or two who's currently on the roster that you can afford to lose? You make that trade. It's the Stanley Cup. You know, it's the toughest trophy. They call it the toughest trophy to win in sports for a reason. Because that's what it is. And if you have a chance to win it right now, you go for it. You go for it. You go for it. And if you don't go out and give up what it's going to take to get Ryan McDonough, which some people might tell you is going to be a lot, then I just think you're dropping the ball. I think you're dropping the ball on an opportunity to add defensive depth, a veteran player with not just veteran experience, veteran playoff experience. That's important. That's huge. That's huge for someone like McAvoy. Right? I know McAvoy was thrown into the fire last year in the playoffs. He looked great, but there was still, you know, there's still going to be 
I talked about the learning curve with some of the young Celtics in the postseason. Same thing with someone like McAvoy, as good as he is. Same thing. I mean, you expect that. So, if you can add another veteran defenseman, especially one of the caliber of Ryan McDonough, why wouldn't you do that? To me, it's a no-brainer. You have to do it. So, the Bruins need to make that move. You know, if it comes out that it's like, ah, you know, they didn't want to give up a first-round pick because it goes against everything they've been doing with the kids. Wait a minute. You're not giving them your, the, the best kids in your system. You're giving them some of the kids that you've taken high in the draft that you think are going to be pretty good. Sure, they might have played a role in this year's team with some of the success that you've had, but don't try to tell me that the organization is going to collapse if you give them up with a draft pick. I mean, come on. I like Brandon Carlo more than the next guy. I mean, I would have preferred to keep Colin Miller, but I'm, I'm a, I've am I'm told you before, I think Carlo, I think he has the tools. But guess what? I would trade him. I would trade him with a first-round pick for Ryan McDonough, and if it meant throwing another kid in there, I would do, I would do it. I don't think this is, this is, this is not an opportunity you could pass up if you're the Bruins. You're in second place in the East. You could end up being number one in the East. You're not going to take a shot at it. Why? Because you don't want to give up some of the, you don't, you don't want to get away. And by the way, I don't even, I don't even agree that that would be a, a, a proper way to analyze it. Going against everything you do. No, no, no. This is what you do. This is what you do. You build up an organization. You get to a point where you have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And if you could trade off some pieces to add a veteran to help you get over the hump and make that extra push while still keeping some of your key young players around, which they are. They're not trading Pasternak. They're not trading McAvoy. So what's the problem? Make the move if you're the Bruins. I mean, I don't expect them to make the move, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't. I, I won't lie to you. Like, I'm not looking at this thing going, "Yep, the Bruins are gonna make the the Bruins are gonna make this trade." But they should. They should make it. And if they do, they might end up being the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. Right now, I think it's the the Vegas Knights, right? The Golden Knights. I think they're the favorite. And then it's Tampa Bay and the Bruins. Am I am I reading that correctly? I don't have the odds in front of me, but when I checked them, I think it was last week. Well, if, if the Bruins go out and get Ryan McDonough, I think they leapfrog the Vegas Knights, and I think the Bruins become the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. That's not what? That's not a position you want to put yourself in? Please. It, sh- it should be a position you want to put yourself in. I, I just... We're not... We're not used to the Bruins making all the right decisions when it comes to this stuff. But they should. And the right decision would be do what it takes to bring Ryan McDonough here. If if they're going to trade him, and you know what? He's banged up right now. He's got a little bit of an upper body injury. Is it a shoulder? I don't know. It's upper body. Has he missed the last couple games? So maybe there you go. Maybe that's your, your trade value. You say to the Rangers, hey, he's banged up. We can't give you this piece. He's hurt. But we'll give you this. And maybe the Rangers look at it and go, eh, you know what? We might as well take it while we can get it. Right? Hey, you got a little over a week to work something out. But don't get beat to the punch. Don't let Tampa Bay go out and get Ryan McDonough. Right? Don't let Toronto go out and get Ryan McDonough. Don't let anyone in the Western Conference go get Ryan McDonough. Go get him yourself. Go get him yourself. And become the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. 
I hope the Bruins do it. I think they should do it. I just kind of have a feeling they're not going to. We'll wait and see. Uh, Whatever happens at the trade deadline, I'll react to it. And uh, that trade deadline, again, the NHL is a week from this coming Monday. Speaking of hockey, real quick, before I get into some dots on the Red Sox and close out the show with that, uh, and, and I guess speaking of McDonough, if Team USA, you know, in the Olympics right now, McDonough would be on Team USA if the NHL was allowed to play in the Olympics. They're not, which means that, <laughs> and I tweeted this out this morning. This morning before I came to the studio, I was watching the men's hockey tournament in the Olympics. I was watching Team Canada versus, who was it, Switzerland? And I tweeted that, it was like watching a men's league game. It was like watching a men's league hockey game on TV. It was. It was. And, I, I mean, there were mistakes being made with the puck. Just guy skates over the blue line, gets to the top of the circle, does a little curl to the half wall, and sends it deep into the zone. Wasn't for the purpose of a line change. Was for the purpose of a pass. And it hits the boards, hits the back of the net, and it's a it's just a turnover. Like, <laughs> wasn't because of a line change. They were on the forecheck after, but it was just a turnover where I'm like, you don't see plays like that with NHL players. It, honestly, I thought it was a me- it looked like a men's league game. It did. And I was tweeting with some friends about it. We were laughing. And one of my friends said, you know, I, I'd rather watch I, I, the USA-Canada women's game the night before. And I said, well, I mean, that's not a joke. That, that's real. That's true. That was a better game. It's a it's a better product than this. So, uh, and that's no knock on women's hockey. I mean, I we always watch USA, Canada, the women's game. That's always a great game. But I think right now, when you watch the men's hockey product in the Olympics, it's a bad product. It's bad. It looks like I'm watching a men's league game. And... There are just mistakes that are made that you don't see with NHL players, even if they have no chemistry. You don't see these mistakes. So uh, it's tough to watch. It is tough to watch the hockey in the Olympics. And by by the way, what's up with Team USA's uniforms? People are talking about this, right? Team USA? It looks like Finland. What is up with... It's just a different color blue on the sleeve. I hate it. I don't know what they're doing with these uniforms. Like, and and whenever I see, like, terrible decisions like this, I always think to myself, there was a group of people in a room, and they had the idea, hey, let's design, who's it, Nike? Let's design Team USA's hockey uniforms. And they come up with the design, they put it up on, you know, a projection screen, and they say, this is what we came up with. What does everyone think? <laughs> like, did, it, did they go around the room and everybody was like, oh, I love it. Oh, it's great. Look at that, huh? That really, when I look at that hockey jersey, that says Team USA Hockey to me. Like, did they all, did everybody in that room make that decision? Tough, tough looking jersey, I tell you. I thought it was Finland when I'm watching them. And you shouldn't look at Team USA's uniform and think Finland. You shouldn't. Not that there's anything wrong with Finland. I'm saying the colors and the type of blue that they're showing. Just a uniform in general, I think is a, it's a tough uni. Tough uniform. 
Not what we're used to. We're used to some pretty good ones. This year's Team USA hockey uniform, not good. Below average. Below average. As is the men's product, men's ice hockey product this year in the Winter Olympics. So moving on from that, the other storyline is the Red Sox at spring training, and now players are talking, and I teased what some players were talking about. And today, there were quotes coming out of Fort Myers Words coming out of the mouths of Mookie Betts and Xander Bogats. Mookie Betts, all-star outfielder for the Red Sox. Xander Bogats, you know, a shortstop that had a bad season last year, but the year before that hit 290-something. year before that hit 320. Bogats is still a young kid in his mid-20s. A lot of people in this town have thrown in the towel on him or want him moved or want him traded. You know, maybe the Scott Boris thing, maybe that has something to do with it, but I'm not. I told you, I'm not giving up on Xander Bogats. This is a kid who I think, and and I've told it before, I'm looking at this season to be more of a leader on this team. Not just by example. I'm talking about vocally. It's time for someone like Bogats to step up. Shortstop's that type of position where you need to take on a leadership role, in my opinion. And uh, I think it's time for Bogats to do that. Now, Mookie Betts and Xander Bogats, they both spoke today, and they both talked about the tension in the clubhouse for the Red Sox last season. We all know about the tension. It began when Dustin Pedroia was yelling over to Manny Machado and basically throwing his own teammates under the bus. Throwing his his own manager, his own teammates under the bus. I will never get that video out of my head of Dustin Pedroia on the top step yelling over to Manny Machado saying, that's bullshit. It's not me. It's them. It's not me. It's them. And them being his own team. Like, I will never forget that video. And if I can't forget it, and I took it so personally, how do you think players on that team took it? How do you think they took it? And so I think that's part of the tension. The other part of the tension was obviously the manager, John Farrell. You know, there were decisions that he made. He was not a likable guy down there. We knew that. So that's part of the tension. Then you had the whole David Price thing. And whatever group was running with him, whatever players were running with him, and how he confronted Dennis Eckersley on the team plane, which you could say what you want about it. It's a That's a piece of shit move. It really is. It's a piece of shit move. It is a piece of shit move if you're David Price. really is. Um, now I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at that now going, David Price can't help you. David Price can help you. In fact, David Price could be the biggest difference maker for this Red Sox team this year. He missed most of last season and he was in the bullpen in the postseason and he was great. If he can get back into the rotation, which he's going to do, and he can be the one, two punch with Chris Sale. I wrote a column in the South Boston Today newspaper this week that went over some of the spring training storylines for the Red Sox. And I said, Chris Sale and David Price, they can be the mega powers for the Boston Red Sox at the top of this rotation. And the mega powers, if you don't know, well, if you're an old school WWF fan, you know, the mega powers were Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage. And and I know what you're thinking. The mega powers eventually collided and they fought at WrestleMania 5. Savage and Hogan fought for the title at WrestleMania 5. I get that. But I also wrote in the column, hopefully Miss Elizabeth doesn't get involved this time around. Uh, 
so just the mega powers, the good times, the dominance. That's what sale and price could be. They could be dominant, as dominant as they come. And that's a great thing for the Red Sox. A great thing. So David Price can be the biggest difference maker for this Red Sox team this season if he can stay healthy. And it's a, you know, it's it's a year in which he'll tell you whatever he wants to tell you. He can opt out after this season. And that is absolutely motivating to anybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care how you feel about the team you currently play for. That's an incentive-based situation. And so I think that's going to push David Price as well. Uh, I'm not saying he is definitely going to leave. I'm just telling you, if there's a piece of his mind that's looking at this thing going, I want to get the fuck out of here. One, he's not going to tell the Boston media that, okay? Two, he's probably not going to tell anybody that because then you'd have, you know, that's question, you know, then that's questionable leadership. Uh, I don't think he's going to tell anyone that. If If he believes that, he's keeping that close. He's keeping that to himself. But if he is thinking that at all and he still wants to make money close to what he's making now, he will dominate this season in the rotation. Not in the bullpen, in the rotation. So, David Price has incentive. I I just think his presence in that rotation is going to be huge for this Red Sox team. Regardless of what happened with Dennis Eckersley. But the situation with Eckersley last year, make no mistake about it, it added to some of the tension in that Red Sox clubhouse. Obviously, that Mookie Betts and Xander Bogots were talking about today down in Fort Myers. Here's the quote. I'll give you Bogots first. Bogots said, quote, I mean, we all know. We all know what was going on. I don't think I really want to get into details. The quicker we move on is the better for all of us. Bogots continued, quote, we had a lot of stuff going on last year, to be honest. We all live and learn. We can't just sit back and keep reminding ourselves about the past. That's not something we want to do, end quote. Then Mookie Betts said, quote, I think there was just tension in the locker room as far as things were down. We could have had more fun through the rough times. I think those are the times when we could have had a little more fun instead of being down so much. And quote, that was Mookie Betts. So the Red Sox, now they're in fairness to these guys, in fairness to these kids, they're answering questions, right? They're sitting on like some fucking picnic table down in Florida and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of guys with notebooks and recorders in their face and cameras in their face asking them questions that they they could probably do without. But, you know, they're answering the question. So in fairness to Bogots and Betts, they're answering the question. But I, I just can't help. Can't That's it. I can't help but, but think it sounds kind of whiny. It's like, all right, they're still looking back at last year. Are they blaming the tension for the things that went wrong? Uh, uh, are they kind of blaming John Farrell? Is that what they're doing? They say they want to move on, but at the same time, they're talking about the tension last year that they felt. Uh, and they're kind of using it as an excuse. So, I don't know. I mean, they're answering questions. I get it. But it sounds kind of whiny. Like, if they're going to move on, and they say they want to move on, then move on. Just say, I'm moving on. If I'm asked about last year, don't talk about last year. Say it. Say, I'm not going to talk about last year. It's a new year. It's a new season. There's a new skipper in town. David Price is back in the rotation. We feel good. We're going to get healthier. We're going to win. We had division champs the last two years, last time I recall. 
And we're looking to make a three-peat of that. Because I get it. Everybody in this town wants us to win in the playoffs. But in order to get to the playoffs, you got to win your division. Well, you don't have to win. You can get a wild card. But in the day of the new wild card format, where you got to play one game, a one-game wild card playoff, everybody and their mother prefers to win the division. So we got to do that first. So last year was last year. It's a new year, and I'm only talking about what's going to come this season. That's how, you, that's how you answer it if you're a Red Sox player. So, you don't have to talk about... I know you're being asked the question. You don't have to talk about last year. So, I wish they would just stop. Because it's going to lead to... It's just going to lead to more questions about it now. And so, next time David Price talks, he's going to have to answer the questions about how Bogots and Betts were talking about tension. Uh, when Pedroia talks, he's going to have to talk about tension. Um, you know, it, it's going to go up and down. You just got to move on. You just got to move on. So uh, that's what we have with the Red Sox. I'll keep an eye on them. Keep an eye on spring training and the spring training storylines. But whatever happens, I will react to it if it's a big enough story. And, of course, the Patriots will keep our eye on the Patriots all off season. And uh, whatever they do, I'll react to it. But the Patriots, I think, when it comes to moves that they could make, I don't know that they're going to be as active as they were last year. In fact, if I had to put my money on it, I would say the Patriots are not as active as they were last year because they were pretty damn active last year. Right out of the gate, too. With the Gilmore signing, uh, you had the Cooks trade, you know, you had the the Coney Ely move, had a couple other moves they made. I mean, they were active. As active as an NFL team could be in an offseason. And it was early. The things they did came early in the offseason. And you had even more talk last year about Malcolm Butler and what they could do with him. I mean, last time I checked, because Jimmy Garoppolo isn't around, and I think people forget this, the Garoppolo trade, on top of everything we talked about, it also opened up the franchise tag for the Patriots. Who would they place that on? Would they place it on anybody? Could they place it on Malcolm Butler? (laughs) I don't know what they're going to do, but whatever the Patriots do, I will react to it on this show. Get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, the Podcast One Network. If I missed anything, how about this? Anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. Uh, Have a great weekend, everybody. I will be back on Monday. I'll react to NBA All-Star Weekend and any other news that broke in the world of sports. I also tweeted out one more thing. A little bit of promotion here. Subscribe to my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Danny Picard, because I'm expanding the brand, so to speak. I guess if you want to call it that. The Danny Picard show is one thing. It's this podcast. It's you know one show that I have. I obviously am a writer. I mean, I began as a writer. I'm still a writer. I'm not a reporter anymore, but I'm a columnist now. So I still write, but I have this podcast. But I'm adding a couple new shows. They're going to be YouTube-exclusive, YouTube-specific shows, video shows, entertaining shows. And it's just going to be on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Go subscribe right now. Very soon, you'll be seeing some things on there, some new shows, two new shows to be exact, that will be dropping in the next 
couple weeks that we'll be launching, I should say, in the next couple weeks. So go do that right now. Subscribe to my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Again, have a great weekend, everybody. I am out. Talk to you again on Monday. <laughs>